the quantum mechanics. Yes, we are the quantum mechanics. Well, we're one of the quantum mechanics. Ben is actually away on a well-deserved break this week. He's uh, he's enjoying Cornish crab, as I think he talked about in last week's podcast. So we decided what we wanted to do this week. We weren't going to do anything, but we've had a few of you ask. We Last year we did the Wandsworth Haunting, which featured Misha Paris and uh, her daughter Monet, and we talked about the experiences they had in a haunted house in London. And that was a two-parter, and a couple of you have asked us whether we could put it together in one episode. So we've done a slight kind of remix um, and stuck it all into one episode. So uh, if you've heard it before, um, we'll see you next week on the podcast. If you haven't, you're in for a treat. Have a listen. Um, Let's start off with a bit of background. In the mid-1990s, the family moved into a large house by Wandsworth Common in London. For our listeners who may not know, Wandsworth Common is a lovely open parkland area in South London. And there are some, not tons, but some houses that are located around the edge of the parkland. We're not going to give out the address or too much detail on the location because we're conscious that we don't want to distress or spook anyone who's currently living in that house or the surrounding area. So let me introduce you to Monet, who first told me about this story. And I want to thank you and your mum in advance for coming on and talking about this because I know you're a bit unsure about whether you wanted to go back into it and relive it. So in advance, thank you. So, Mono, we've known each other for, I guess, just over a year, right? And when I told you I did a paranormal podcast, you you quite casually said, oh, I should tell you my story. And at the time, I thought you were going to say something like, I lived in this house and one day a painting fell off the wall, which there would have been nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I wasn't expecting what you gave me because you laid out some basic details of what happened to you and your family in this house that you lived in. And my jaw dropped to the floor. It, it was like you were describing a plot to a horror movie, but it actually happened to you, right? Yeah, no, it feels like that, actually. I've, I, I've said it to a few people and they've had that exact reaction to it. Yeah. Saying it sounds like a horror movie, yeah. So I've already said that you and your family moved into this house on Wandsworth Common. You were quite young at the time. So maybe we can start with the first strange experience that you can remember. Sure. So um, there's a few things that stick out to me, but the first one, I was about um, seven and I was in my bed and I woke up in the morning and I could see this floating head um, in the room, basically. So uh, next to the mirror um, on the left-hand side of the room, And I was absolutely terrified. I just screamed. And um, I remember I ran downstairs to my mum and I said, oh, my God, mum, there's something in my room. And um, that was like quite a frequent occurrence in that house. I would often be saying, mum, there's something in the corner of the room. So, yeah. And this, I mean, that sounds absolutely terrifying. Whether you're a child or whether you're not a child, it just sounds a terrifying thing to see, a kind of floating head. Mm -hmm. Can you remember what it looked like? Do you have any description of it that you could give us from your memory? I mean, I was seven, so it is a long time ago. Yeah. It was like a human head 
So it was definitely like resembled a face. And um, I think it was like solid. And then when I screamed, it disappeared. Wow. So, so in some ways you kind of, when you told me about the head, you didn't go into that detail when you told me about it originally. And you almost stereotypically think of a ghost like in something like Harry Potter as being kind of see-through and, you know, kind of kind of misty white light. But it sounds like it, it, it felt more realistic than that from your description. No, it did. I mean, I, I do keep saying I was seven because I know like... It does. <laughs> Saying it does sound really ridiculous, but I just remember that it was definitely a face and I I saw it in my room just as I woke up and I was like, oh my God, and I just screamed and ran out the room. Wow. And and can I ask, so there's, I got two questions. One, where were the eyes looking? Were they looking at you? Did it feel like... Oh yeah, it was looking at me, like directly at me. Oh my God. So so you you felt like it knew you were there. Yeah, I felt like it was like looking at me while I was asleep and then as I opened my eyes I saw it and then when I screamed it vanished. And as you say it's a face. So below the face obviously is the neck. Was what what did that look like? Was it was it like well I can only imagine it being gory or like some sort of cutoff. It was like a cutoff. It wasn't gory. It was just a head. I, I can't remember if it was like a man or a woman. I can't remember, but I know it was just like a floating head. <laughs> and when you say, you know, we kind of established it, it wasn't like a stereotypical ghostly image. It felt like a real head that you were looking at. So it was kind of full colour. It was it, it was vivid like that. Yeah, it was like a white man. But it, I guess the point I'm making is it wasn't like a ghost you just feel is a one colour white ethereal thing with shading. It seemed to be more realistic. Yeah, no, it didn't feel like it was like see-through or anything. It felt like a solid face was just there in the room. And I never had that happen again. It was just that one time and I didn't see that again. Um, I think it, I, I mean, I was asleep and I was seven. So there is always that part of me that thinks like, could I have been half asleep? I don't know. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. And you, and you, you, you ran to your mum, you told her about this. Yeah. What, what, was, what was your mum's reaction to it? I think she laughed at first. I think she did laugh and she was like, oh, not again kind of thing because there were so many things happening in this house. Um, I think I said to you before, I've never had an experience like this since. This is the only kind of paranormal experience I've had. But there were a few people in and out of that house and and a lot of us did have different experiences. So um, I think she was just used to it. She, it wasn't a shock. It was like, oh, right. yeah, another thing, another kind of weird okay. thing, you know? Well, I was going to move on to that because it feels like this was such a vivid experience for you and an unusual encounter with this floating head. Yeah. Um, that, you know, maybe in some ways the adults in the house weren't seeing something as intensely as you were. But then things started to happen where the adults were seeing and experiencing paranormal activity with you. 
Uh, you told me about a strange incident when you were with your aunt in the house, which was, again is chilling. Yeah, and the and the bed was floating in the mirror. Yeah, tell us about that. So I could look at, I looked in the mirror and I could see that the bed was like raised off the floor. And I said to her, can you see that? And she said, yes. She said, yeah, I can. And um, yeah, there's, my mum will be able to clarify more of the adult's experience. Yeah. Because I can't remember fully, but I know that she saw what I saw at that moment. So it right. was just me, you know. So, so what you're describing is if 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 you were in the room, you would look at the bed normally, just be a normal bed there. Yeah, yeah. But when you viewed it in the mirror, it was floating above the ground. Is that is that what you saw? That's basically what we saw. Wow. And I was like, what is, like, how is that happening? I remember just being so confused. Like, the bed is on the floor, but in the mirror it's not. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. It's scary to be a child, like, and to have these kinds of weird. Yeah, I was, I felt scared in that house a lot. How did you rationalize that? So, did you tell people that that's what you were seeing? Yeah, I told, no, I, I would always say that house was haunted. Like, my mum refers to it as a haunted house. So does my grandma, like, my uncle. Everybody knows that house is haunted. Like, that's what they refer to it to to it too till still to this day that's the haunted house that we lived in you know but in in terms of like rationalizing it in your own head if you're looking at the bed and on one side it's on the floor and the one side it's in the air like if you explain that to an adult when you're seven what what do they say to you um i i mean my auntie did say she could see it too so I just thought something weird's happening. I don't think I could logically really... Rationalise it. Yeah, rationalise it. I think that's what I was... Yeah, I don't really know. And what's interesting about that example, because as you said, when you saw the floating head, that was something you saw on your own. Yeah. And as a young child, you're like, well, did that... You know, you were saying, there's a bit of me that goes, I was seven, I was young, I'd woken up from a dream. You're almost, almost excusing what you'd seen. But in this example of the floating bed... You've then got an adult next to you who goes, no, I can see that as well, right? That must be weird. Yeah, so weird, isn't it? <laughs> and did you ever feel like this was something that was malevolent? Did you think it was evil or do you think it 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 was, you know, just it was just something that was there and it wasn't going to bother you? Or was it positive? Oh, no, 100%. That house felt evil definitely it didn't feel like a friendly ghost it felt like some yeah it was weird it didn't feel friendly at all and did it did it feel like there was some it had some intention rather than it was just you know because there's this thing called stone tape theory where it's a theory where a house almost captures previous events and replays it you know and you're observing it but it it sounds like there was something more interactive, let's say, going on. Yeah, it felt like there was a presence in the house. Yeah, and it didn't feel like a very nice presence, I think. Yeah. Okay. My feeling as a child, and I I really know that was also my mum's feeling too. So, so it was like a, yeah, it was a really nice house as well. It was such a shame. <laughs> it had that vibe. Yeah, just... 
yeah, I don't know. It was just such a, even now, I think I've never experienced anything like that since. Never. Wow. I want to move on to something else you told me when we first started talking about this story. Um, and I can't remember exactly, and you, you can maybe clarify, there, there was something you told me about you were looking out maybe of a window or looking around and you saw something weird. So in my bedroom, I was with my grandma because my grandma also used to live in the house sometimes while my mum was working and she'd take me to school and stuff. And um, at the back of, like, if you look out my window, it looks onto our garden, but it also looked onto, like, a neighbour's house. And when I looked through the window, there were, like, these um, black, like, objects or figures, like, moving around. And I remember thinking, like, it didn't make sense that the... It was, like, shadows almost, but I remember thinking like, oh, how is that happening with the light on? Like it didn't, I remember thinking like, how do how do you see shadows like that in a lit room? I remember just thinking it can't be something on the wall that's a shadow. It's, it's something moving in there. <laughs> and I said to my grandma, I was like, oh my God, can you see that? And she was like, yeah, I can see that. And I was like, what is that? Um, I think what's fascinating about that, and I think... I think you loosely described them to me before and I didn't really say anything, but because I know you're not a massive fan, not fan is the wrong word. It's not like you are really into the paranormal and you don't actually know that much about it, right? I don't, know. But there is a thing um, called shadow people. But what's interesting is exactly what you describe is a well-known phenomena of shadow people who, dis- who who are exactly how you describe them, that many people see. And they're not, and actually a lot of people say they're not particularly malevolent or evil. They're just, they're, they're almost like, <laughs> I was going to say the good guys, but they're kind of, they're almost in that paranormal good guy. But how you describe them is exactly what many people see. And I think what's interesting is, you didn't know about them at all, right? I didn't. And I've, I, like I said, this experiences in this house when I was seven is, is my one and only kind of paranormal. I've, ne- no, I've never had it since. I've never had anything happen since. So it is weird. Yeah. And wow. For, I would like to ask, has it changed your view on, like, for example, ghosts? Do, do you now believe in them? Um, I think I do because of that experience. Yeah, I think I do. Even though I haven't experienced it since, I think it probably made me a a believer in a way. And in terms of your, well, I suppose on this podcast, we we quite often talk about like, what is the unifying theory? So is it the fact that we live in a simulation or, you know, there's various other things. Has it changed your perception of who you are in the world? Do you feel like, um, and I don't know if you're, you know, religious or not, but do you feel like that experience has changed the way you feel about what happens after you die and the whole experience of reality? 
Maybe. I mean, it was only when I spoke to Peter that I actually thought about that house. I, I don't think about it often anymore because um, it was a long time ago. But it definitely made me think, like, there must be something. I don't know if it's energy or um, I don't know what, but I'm not religious, so I'm open-minded, I think, to, I don't know, any explanation really you might have on what I experience. Yeah, yeah. No, understood. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm spiritual. I believe, like, in... I'd like I like to believe that there's something, but I don't follow one specific thing. Well, why don't we move on to the um, what happened in your mum's bedroom, and we can maybe ask her a follow up when she comes on. Because you did, so you and your mother had a chilling encounter in her bedroom. So I was in my mum's bed with her, and then I could see this like man at the end of her bed. Um, I guess maybe it was like a shadow. I'm not sure though. It, it was something, some sort of figure at her bed. And um, she did throw um, either a book or a Bible at the figure and then it disappeared. So she saw this as well. She wasn't going, no, look, there's there's nothing there. Which she saw. Yeah, she saw it as well. Wow. And can you remember what what that looked like? You said it's kind of shadowy figure. This sounds like it was different to the head. Yeah, it was different. It was like a figure of a man. I remember it being a man and I think it was like a shadow. And I remember being absolutely terrified. Like, oh my God, mum, what is that? Like just, ah, and then she like threw the book and was like, get out, I think she said. Get out of my room. And it and it disappeared. Yeah, and it disappeared. Yeah. What's interesting me about what you're talking about, so there seems to be multiple sightings of different things. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like there was any kind of, uh, I don't know how else to describe it, any continuity between what you were seeing, that they were all related, or did they feel like, you know, I guess many different presences of very different things coming in, or was there any kind of connection between them? If that if that makes sense as a question. I just felt like it was an evil presence. I right. It's like the overwhelming feeling that I had, like there's just something in this house, you know? And you say presence, do you, do you feel it was something singular or you didn't say multiple presences or was that just a turn of phrase? I just remember thinking this house is haunted. Yeah, maybe it was multiple, but yeah, I, I think I just remember feeling a presence constantly of something being there. And were there areas of the house that you felt this kind of hauntedness more than other areas, or was was it all, was it just everywhere? I felt it mainly upstairs where the bedrooms were. I think that was like the main kind of area. But then also, like when my mum got the church to come in and pray, we were in the basement, and then all the like as the like because. My my mum comes from a religious background and all the church were praying. And then I just remember the plates smashed off the side as they were praying. Wow. And then that was like confirmation for me that something was wrong in this house. Because <laughs> I think before that, I wasn't sure if it was like, I couldn't put my finger on it. But when those plates smashed, I thought there must be something in this house. Why did that happen, you know? So, so it sounds like at some point 
it was getting out of control and your family decided to turn to the church for help. This is what you're talking about, right? So, so was it one person? It sounds like a group of people came around, was it? Like a group of people praying. That's what I remember. And I just remember that the plate, like, smashed on the floor. I remember that. Wow. So this is, I'm just picturing it. So nobody was near them. They just almost, like, flew off, as far as you know. I don't remember anyone being near it. I just remember a plate flew off and smashed. And then at that point, I just thought, oh, my God, I can't be in this house anymore. Like, there's something in this house that's just awful. And um, I I think shortly after that, we did move. I think we were just like, no, we can't live here. I think I did pray to God at that point. Um, for help <laughs> I think I did yeah I think I was like please God don't like make these spirits get me or something it, when I was mm. seven I think my reaction to it was to pray but um, mm. my mum's background is religious but, but we she didn't bring us up in church so um, I think she has faith but again I don't I think it's her own version of, of faith you know in terms of your world view then if uh and i completely understand what you're saying if you were if i was going to ask you perhaps over a pint in a pub what happens after we die what would you say well i think because of that experience i feel like maybe maybe certain people's spirits when they die can't move on maybe and Mm. maybe they get stuck here that's kind of what that experience has left me with i think but i'm not sure no that's i i think that's really interesting because so uh, i would say and and i don't think you need to have an answer for this because i certainly don't but um what would make them be stuck and if they weren't stuck where would they go that's the those are the two big questions right I don't know. I'm open-minded. I don't, I really don't know how to answer that. I don't have a like specific belief. I just, I just know that I experienced something really strange that must have some unexplained explanation. Yes. Um, So uh, yeah, no, I, I completely, completely understand that, but I do think it's interesting, isn't it? That um, if you've got, like when you when you go back to it if there's a floating head in your bedroom i know yeah if if one assumes that that floating head is connected to some discorporeal entity and they are making themselves known why haven't they walked into what you might call in inverted commas the light why why are they still there and and what awaits them on the other side but the the sort of the inevitable truth is it's a it's real it's real well it's a real pleasure to welcome Monet's mum who she's been talking about on the podcast and their experiences in the haunted house so um a really big welcome for Misha Paris thank you so much for coming on I know you're really in the middle of rehearsals and stuff like that so we really appreciate you being here we, um, we've talked to Monet about a few of the things from her experience of what happened in the house that you lived, lived in. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but she tells a story about 
the two of you being in your bedroom and seeing a figure at the end of the bed. Yeah, the, the, we were sat there, and I don't even know what we were talking about. We were hanging out. I mean, Monet was really young then. She must have been about six. Seven or six, yeah, somewhere around seven, six. And uh, we were hanging out. And then um, the bed, I remember it being pressed like someone had sat there um, first. That's really what I noticed first. And then there was something... Wow. Definitely, there was something in the room. I mean, it was, and then, and then that wasn't even the, that wasn't even the worst one. The worst one was when um, I was in the room one day on my own, and I heard literally heard two people walking up and down the stairs, <laughs> and I was the only person in the house. And um, I was like, you know what, this is a this is a joke. I was trying to ignore it, you know, as you do. And then um, then Monet went in the bathroom one day, and and she was looking in the mirror and. She saw someone looking back at her and it was an old woman and came in, ran in, freaked out. And I was like, oh, my God, this place is a joke. Beautiful house. Yeah, we'd heard it was a lovely place. So I'm thinking about when when you first moved in there. Did you have an instant feeling about the place or was it over a period of time? Um, Kind of odd because I'm... I'm very sensitive to things like that. I'm very sensitive. Well, you know, I'm a musician. That's what happens. That's how we are. So it's like, you know, I, I'm pretty good at feeling when things aren't quite right in a place. You know, I can go in there and I can feel that the energy's off or something's off. That was the deceiving thing about the place is when you first go there, when you when I, when you visit them, you don't feel anything. It just looks like a beautiful house overlooking the common and it's gorgeous and energy felt great. But it was over a couple of weeks, things started to sort of ravel, you know, you hear the odd bang, you hear the odd door shut by itself, and you think, yeah, this weird thing, maybe it was next door. You try and make up all these flipping excuses, but then it gets to a point where you can't, you just can't even hide from it. And yeah. uh, it was just, um, it was very, very dark after a while because it was like, Monet was also one time she was in the house and she looked out the window and she saw, and this is really weird, you know. This was the house behind us. Mm-hmm. She saw a dark figure looking back at us in the house as well. That was another one that was like, and it's really weird. The reason why I'm saying that is because I, I saw this this horror movie the other day, and it was exactly that. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh my god, that happened to us. The, you mentioned the stairs. Did it was the stairs? I guess it's a different question. I asked Monet. Was there a bit of the house where there seemed to be more activity than other bits of the house? No, I, I, I no. Um, I, maybe. I mean, for me, it was everywhere. I mean, it was my room. It was Monet's room next door. It was the stairs, and especially, I think, to be straight, the biggest activity I think in that flat. Sorry, in that house was the kitchen. It was the kitchen because there was something with the kitchen that we couldn't, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of an OCD person in my house, right? And I had cleaners in there. I mean, it was spotless. But for some reason, I couldn't get rid of these flies. And they were all circulated in one place on the floor. They were just constantly there. And we were like, what the hell? You know, we had everything. You know, people come around with the stuff and, the zzz and all the... Nothing. Um, come to find out later on what it was that someone had died there. Ah. And that's why um, this old woman, obviously, she was the one that when I saw in the mirror, she's clearly trapped in the in the property. But I didn't find out the, the fly thing until I left. Wow, that's amazing. Monet also mentioned um, 
that at some point you became, seems like you became really concerned and got the church involved and they gathered in the kitchen for, I guess, some kind of ceremony. Can you, uh, Misha, could you tell us a little bit about that? It's, it's basically, if, if I come from the, you know, Pentecostal church. So basically how it works with those guys is like, if you're in a place where there's bad spirits or energies and things like that, they sit and they come and they pray and try to, you know, eradicate the bad energy, spirits, whatever's there. It's, it's just a thing we always, it's a very, very, you know, Pentecostal churches, they all do that. They do that with people who are possessed. They do, they, it's normal. We grew up with that. You know, it's part of our culture. It's very, very, very Jamaican, you know. Um, for us, it's not woo-woo. Mm. For us, it's like, you know, yeah, there are some people and places that are not right and need mm-hmm. cleansing. And so we find that when you have a couple of people praying for the same intention, just like a, anything, like going to a match, you sit there and everyone starts screaming for their team to win. It's that collaborative effort mm. that creates the energy that makes people usually win the game, right? The one who shouted the loudest. It's very much like that in that regard, um, that mm. when everyone comes together and they're praying, it creates this energy which pushes away the dark energy. Also making you feel that you're not alone in this, I guess, as well. Well, no, it's just literally to, it's it's not just feeling alone. It's more to do with, you know, there's something there and that, that works. That's, that, hmm. it, it works, you know, it's, um, I was never alone. I mean, the thing was that my, my, my family were there, but the place was just heaving with activity that was off key. And it was hmm. like, you couldn't, you know, this is how you know a dark force, you know, you can't get rest. That's how you know it. You just when you can't sleep, <laughs> you just can't get any rest because that's not what they're about. They're about getting you to be stressed and anxious and all of that. Mm. Um, but people think, oh, these are just normal conditions. It turns out that actually it's energy in a place that can create that in you. You know, the, the instability and the feeling of I just can't get any bloody peace. And that's really what was happening. We were just constantly. Every time you tried to chill out, there was a sound. <laughs> there was something. He's like, for God's sake, I'd like to just go to sleep now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's shocking. And what, and what was, from your perspective, what was the scariest thing that you encountered in that house? I think the scariest thing for me was Monet running in saying that, you know, she saw a woman looking back at her in the mirror. I was like, oh, my God, this is just insane. We need to come out of here. This is not the one. <laughs> horrible I was like oh my god it was like well for me the one when she saw the the, the the dark thing in the house behind us had a beautiful garden in this place the garden was gorgeous uh, but you could clearly see the back window of the house behind us mm. and when she showed me that, that there was a dark thing looking back at her I was like you know what I reckon this whole area is messed up I think <laughs> there's something with this whole area and uh, rightly so what did I find out they used to do rituals and they probably still do they do dark rituals on the common. I did some research about your house. And there's a couple of things you've said already which have made me go, oh, okay, that's quite interesting from what I found out. A um, couple more quick questions before we move on to that. Um, how long did you live in the house in the end? We were there about maybe like just over. We didn't stay for more than a year. I think wow. it was just maybe just short, but you couldn't. It was it just wasn't <laughs> possible. I mean, I... I and I was devastated because I loved the place so much. It was mm-hmm. so great. The dog, Russia, um, sorry, not Russia, Russia's my other daughter. Monet, you know, Monet was loving it there. Imagine you walk out your house, the common is right there. It, you know, it was perfect, ideal, you know, 
for what we we wanted. Uh, but nice house, yeah, such a shame. It was such a shame. Yeah, it was a style for God's sake. We're just not going to get rid of this thing. I remember, remember I got I got the boys around, you know, and the women to do the prayer and the usual thing that normally works. And they usually go missing after you do that. Didn't do a damn thing. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. It was yeah. like, nah, mate, I'm not leaving. This is my <laughs> joint and you're, you better leave. Monet described when, from her memory, when she was in the kitchen and people were praying, that some plates smashed. Do you remember that? Yes, it was kicking off. I thought it was like a movie. Uh, and, and that's why I said it was just like, what the hell? This thing really happens. Now, you know, I, I, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm, as much as I'm a quite a spiritual person, I'm very sceptical about these things because um, there's a lot of hoaxes and there's a lot of people talking a lot of nonsense. <laughs> and you can get too woo-woo if, you, if you're not careful, do you know. So I'm quite a practical, logical person. Uh, you have to be in this industry that I'm in, let me tell you, because there's, there's smoke and mirrors everywhere. So I'm, I'm very sort of like, you know, matter-of-fact type of but But honey, let me tell you that this thing was ferocious, it was ferocious. It wasn't having the prayer. It wasn't having any light coming in there. It wasn't. It was very strong. Wow. Wow. And when you moved out of the house, it stopped, right? Or did, did, did anything follow you, do you think? Or was it, it was the house? Yeah. yeah, it was not me. I mean, my thing is like, you know, everything was great the minute we left. Yeah. And then we, then we started hearing stuff, didn't we, Mono? We started hearing stuff about people moving in and and uh, having the same experience. I did, yeah. I heard did, that. Did grandma tell you that? I don't she know. told me that, yeah. My mum my told me that because my mum got friendly with the woman that lived around the corner who'd been there for years, living around the corner from the house. And she had told my mum that, oh, you know, it's really funny that a lot of people have moved in there and they don't stay very long. <laughs> and my mum was like, well, I'm not surprised with all that going on. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I did some basic research on property sites about the property because Monet gave me the address and I did a bit of looking into it. And it did seem to be a house that has been sold more than other houses in the area. So it doesn't prove anything, but it's interesting in, in the fact. Let me get on to a little bit of other research. So I, I, you rightly said there's a lot of kind of paranormal stuff that's been associated with Wandsworth Common. Yeah. A lot. I was shocked. And you described some of them already, so I'm not going to go into those. But um, I widened my search around specific houses on the road that you lived on and the general area of Wandsworth Common. Yeah. And there are a number of sites on the Common, as we've said. After a bit of digging, I came across an account in a book by a famous paranormal investigator and writer from the early 1900s someone called Elliot O'Donnell. Now, in 1909, he published a book on his investigations into the paranormal, and it's called Haunted Houses of London. So you can still go and check this book out. And in that book, among other stories, he he details accounts from people who were haunted while living in a house attached to Wandsworth Common. So obviously that sparked my interest, right? Um. I read, I read his investigations, um, and I, I also found another article which linked the stories that he talks about in his book to a house on the road that you lived in. 
Then as I read his investigation, I came across an account that literally gave me goosebumps. And I'll come on to that in a minute. Now, the book does not give the exact location of this haunted house, only that it was located off Wandsworth Common. However, I did some more research and found one old article that did link the story of this particular haunted house to the road that you lived on. So I can't guarantee what I'm about to tell you relates to the house you lived in, but what I do know is it is multiple people's stories connected to one house that is located by Wandsworth Common. Tick, that's near where you used to live. And I found this one source that directly connects it to the road that you lived on. Now, I'm going to summarise and quote some extracts from the book by Elliot O'Donnell, published in 1909, but the events listed happened in the late 1800s. He writes, When I was living in Cornwall, I met a Mr Scarron, who told me of a house he had once rented in Wandsworth that was badly haunted. It was a large, quaint old place. Mr Scarron informed me it had a big entrance hall and a flight of low, broad oak stairs leading to a gallery that connected the east and west wings. Mr Scarron told the author, but the staircase arrested my attention the moment I entered the house. Why, I cannot exactly say, but there was something indefinably odd about it. I mentioned this to my wife and asked her if she had noticed anything peculiar. Only that it's not quite in the centre of the hall, she replied, and then pointed to a mark on the ceiling of the gallery. Surely there was a joining there once. Yes, you may may depend upon it. The staircase has been moved. How very queer. It makes the hall and gallery feel quite lopsided. That night, we both lay awake and heard the stairs creak and groan as if feet of innumerable people trod up and down them. Oh, gosh. Which is what made me smile when you mentioned hearing people walking up and down the stairs. Wow. The sound began at midnight and lasted incessantly until two, when it stopped abruptly. The next night, I happened to be out till rather late and on my return found the hall in darkness, my wife and family having gone to bed. I struck a light and walked the staircase candle in hand. Nothing unusual occurred until I got to the sixth step, when suddenly there was a rush of icy cold wind. My candle went out, the staircase collapsed beneath me and I came to the ground with a crash. And as I did so, I heard one laugh, a low, diabolical chuckle, full of satanical glee. The next moment, my wife and eldest girl, Joan, came screaming out onto the landing, thinking I had had a fit or that something equally dreadful had happened. I then discovered that I was lying on the floor, exactly opposite the marks on the ceiling. The real staircase, the real staircase being some eight or nine feet to my left, so that what I had taken for steps could have only been imaginary ones. Yet how did I manage to ascend to the sixth? Oh my God. Wow. His daughter had the next experience. She was going up the stairs early one morning with a cup of tea for her mother when to her astonishment she ran into something or someone who, although invisible, was apparently sitting on the staircase facing her. Now he goes on to explain that his daughter, while walking up the stairs, bumped into this apparition and whatever the girl was, it had knocked a tray she was carrying out of her hand 
and then, similar to him, she had heard a chilling laugh. The brother of the wife was staying in the house as well, and he also had a weird encounter. O'Donnell goes on to explain. He was running up the stairs in his usual breakneck fashion, when to his amazement he saw a girl ascending a few feet ahead of him. He stared at her, as he said, for all he was worth, she was dressed in such extraordinary fashion, in a sort of costume he had seen in pictures of Charles II's time. On arriving at the top of the stairs, she paused, as if debating whether to go on, and the brother, burning with anxiety to see her face, caught her up. In an instant, she wheeled round, revealing as she did such an incredible hellish countenance, the poor brother was frightened out of his wits, tumbled backwards, his misfortune being consummated by a violent push that sent him whizzing head over heels into space. Wow. So this paranormal activity in the house continues with the family's daughter Molly. He recounts a story where the staircase actually started moving and attacked her, pressing her up against a wall. There is another account from a nephew that stayed in the house and was up late working in the study downstairs when a noise brought him out into the hallway. He describes what happens next. The staircase was fairly alive with ghosts. There was a regular procession of them, men and women. I could distinguish the difference in the sexes more by the touch of their dresses than by their voices, for I could not hear anything they said directly. Indeed, they only seemed to speak in whispers. He goes on to recount hearing a strange sound coming from Wandsworth Common, which he describes as ghostly horse steps coming across the common towards the house. He then goes on to describe how this ghostly horse entered the house and crushed him against the stairs. Now, there are other accounts from the Scarron family, and it seems the longer they stayed there, the activity became more intense and physical. And Mr. Scarron obviously reached the end of his tether, which is clear from this quote. That settled it. I came to an agreement with my landlord. Needless to state, very one-sided as far as I was concerned. And within a fortnight of the last incident, I shut up house and left. Now, the author of the book I'm quoting from, Elliot O'Donnell, then gets in touch with someone else who has lived in the house. O'Donnell writes... Some months after meeting Mr Scarron, I was introduced to a lady in London who remarked that she had once lived in the haunted house in Wandsworth. I begged her to give me her experiences and she told me the day, that day after day she had been disturbed by an old woman who used to chatter outside her bedroom door. Both she and her sister often saw the old woman in various parts of the house, generally on the staircase and flitting about the passages. O'Donnell then goes on. O'Donnell then goes into a different account, which he believed was from another occupant of the same house. Monet, it was when I read this account I got the most incredible goosebumps, and when you hear it, I think you will understand why. Oh my god, I'm gonna! I got chills. <laughs> O'Donnell details an interview he conducted with Mrs Newville. He writes, I again heard of the haunted house at Wandsworth Common from a Mrs Newville who kindly described in detail the phenomenon she had witnessed in it. The most remarkable feature in the house, Mrs Newville observed to me, was the main staircase, which was, I think, the most gloomy and suggestive staircase I have ever seen. 
I never passed it without a shiver and the uncanny conviction that it was alive. Absurd as you may think it, I have actually felt that staircase looking at me, and I could be certain that more than once it has moved noiselessly and stealthily forward, stepping back again the instant it perceived I was on the alert. I grew so terrified at it that I positively dreaded to be even within sight of it after dusk. I had never known what fear was until I lived in that house and watched the fading sunlight on those grim, forbidding stairs. I tell you, Mr O'Donnell, there were certain bends in that staircase and certain steps that I never loitered upon, but always flew past and was convinced they harboured some strange, hideous creature. Well, one evening in August, as I was sitting alone in the study about eight o'clock, I heard my aunt call from her bedroom, which was on the first floor. The rest of the family being out, I at once grew in a panic, for I funked the idea of the staircase, and at the same time dreading to keep my aunt waiting, as her crotchety temper, if the slightest thing went wrong, was very hard to bear. Hence I was on the horns of the most unpleasant dilemma. My aunt called again, and fearing to dally any longer, I threw down my book, and hastening out of the room, made for those awful stairs. I ascended... I ascended as fast as I could, without daring even to raise my eyes, until a peculiar bluish light playing on the silver buckles of my shoes compelled me to glance up. And there, there on the landing, directly above me and some six or so feet from the ground, was a ball of cerulean phosphorus that developed quite suddenly into a ghastly head. (laughs) <laughs> a floating head oh, yeah that's what that's she saw what in I the mirror a floating yeah well, she head. saw it in the mirror though she saw it in the mirror but the, remember the bathroom was at the top of the stairs you know I was so dumbfounded that I could only gaze at it in speechless horror in my wildest imagination I had never conjured up anything so truly hellish nor could I compare it with anything save one of Gustave Doy's drawings She goes on to describe in more detail this floating head. It was big, round and gross and crowned with a mass of matted tow-coloured hair. The face of a silky yellowish white was broader than that of any human being, the features being larger in proportion. I can't recollect the nose or ears, but the mouth had long, thin lips which were wreathed in a fiendish grin. There was no hair on the lower part of the face and only an inch or two of neck. The leering, mocking eyes were green and full of malignant expression, an expression that was positively satanic in its intensity. It looked at me exultingly, as if gloating over the terror it had inspired, and indeed I did not think I could have been more frightened had I been suddenly transported to Dante's purgatory. Whilst I was staring at it, too fascinated to remove my eyes, my aunt came out to the landing and, approaching the balustrades, called me angrily by name. The thing instantly vanished, nor did I ever see it again. Wow. There you go. And that is pretty much what Monet described. Yeah. Yeah, It's hardcore. Um, Yeah, very heavy. That is so... These things are real, you know. This is the thing. And... uh, as I said, I found out afterwards, um, by accident, I found out afterwards. And I think it was a, some interview I did, like, maybe two years ago. And someone was asking me about when I lived there. It was a really mad way of finding out. 
But I found out that they used to do rituals on the common in, in the 1800s or something. Yeah, and I that's see. what the, the whole of that area is really dark. <laughs> and it's gorgeous. That's the thing. It looks great, but don't bloody live there. Well done on the research, though. Well done. My God. I couldn't believe, you know, when I came across that. Yeah. I thought, okay, it's a haunted house. It's on the common. I mean, then there are a lot of houses on the common, but not huge amounts. I believe in your streets back in the day, because I did a lot of research on the history of the street as well, which I've not gone into, but I think there were only originally five houses on the street that you were... Uh... Yeah, that's right. It wasn't loads and loads that they built later on. Yeah. There was also a hospital as well. And I was told yep. that, that there's something about the hospital. That's why there was a lot of stuff activity yep. because that hospital obviously had lots of dead people in it uh, who were still trapped in that building, I was told. So there's something yeah. about the hospital I was hearing as well. There was a mortuary as well, quite close by. Um, again, I've not overly done that because I think what amazed me was, okay, finding a house on Wandsworth Common, finding a suggestion, not guaranteed, but a suggestion that that house that we've just talked about was on your road, knowing that back in those times, late 1800s, there were only five houses on that road anyway. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not directly your house, it's set, like, you're, like you're saying, it says something about the area, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the that- thing is, you've got to realise that not all the houses on that road um, – are, are, are across the road from the common. There's a stretch ah. of them. You see, there's only a stretch of them that really are directly on the common. Right, which this one we've talked about was because they talk about looking out and this horse kind of coming from the common and through. Fantastic view. It's a beautiful, beautiful house. I mean, you couldn't ask for it. It's absolutely, I love you guys. I'm going to have to shoot. Yeah. Um, I love you. I just realised the time. I could talk about this all frigging day. Gorgeous. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Peter. Fabulous. Pleasure. And Ben, I love you guys. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you, baby. Sorry, got a show tonight. Nightmare. <laughs> Oh, God, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe the staircase. No, I can't. No. What I, what I, what I wanted to ask you both, but I didn't, uh, like, there was too much conversation there. But, like, um, Monet, I'll ask you, before you moved into that house, and I know you were really, really young, but do do you recall anything similar happening before? Or was this something specific to that house? No, I've I've never had anything before and I've never had anything since. That's this is my one paranormal story. I don't have anything else. And Monet, what do you think about the floating head? That was just so spooky. That's exactly what I like that description is exactly what I saw. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that description is from someone from the late 1800s that's what blows my mind about that yeah weird i i can't believe people live there now you know i i told you that i've walked past it and i've seen i I really wanted to knock on the door but i didn't because i just yeah i didn't (laughs) no one wants to hear this if they live somewhere do they so i didn't but i just remember thinking like i can't believe people live there I'm amazed at that. Like I said, I, when I when I did the research, I was going, it's a house on Wandsworth Common. 
it has been connected to the road you're on. There weren't many houses on that road. And as as your mum just said, that actually there weren't many at all that were facing the common, which narrows it down even further. So uh, when I read the bit about the floating head, because, you know, you do come across against uh, across stories of haunted floating heads, but they're, they're a lot rarer than your average common or garden haunting, to give it a better word. They are a lot rarer. So to come across it in that article or that book describing somewhere which, if not your house, was pretty damn close to where you lived was quite amazing. And then and then when when your mum mentioned the staircase, oh, well, there was these noises on the staircase. My, I got a chill when she said that. I, re- I really wanted to say, I was like, no, save it. <laughs> I think what she didn't really talk about, though, which is the thing that stands out for me, is just like how many of us had experiences there, you know? It wasn't just me. It wasn't just my mum. It was my auntie. It was my uncle. I think she had friends stay who said the same thing. Um, My grandma. It was just so many people experiencing the same thing. That's what really stands out to me because I know like I was really young. I I thought I was seven, but my mum said six, so six or seven. But um, the thing that stands out for me is just how many of us had experiences, you know. Yeah. Amazing. How do you feel now that you've heard all that? No, I feel a bit spooked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's, no, it's nice to hear. It makes me kind of, I think I believe in it more now. Like, I think I do, you know, because I, I, I hear my mum talk about it, but then also hearing you with the head, that is just too much. That's so freaky. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm sort of amazed because it's one of those stories where you've got such credible witnesses and then you've got further eyewitnesses. I I suppose I'm completely consumed by why there is a floating head. Like, what is it trying to achieve? That's that's what I don't understand. It's yeah. it's the motivation of the paranormal. That's what I don't understand. What what is amazing about that floating head as well? Because I think Ben, you you alluded it to it. You kind of you feel like the idea of a floating head would have kind of bits of skin lying down and quite a, a gruesome sight. Or yes. as we were saying earlier, it would be a, a kind of almost Harry Potter-esque style ghost. Yes. What you described and what I think this other witness described from the late 1800s was something very different to that and very similar in both your descriptions. Oh, I've got chills. I do. It's so spooky to hear that because it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But the the implication is that the, the spirit has had its head removed you know, in some kind of um, beheading or whatever. Well, it's and funny. There are, there were. I did find some backstory type stuff that connected hauntings in that house to the child, the area of Charles the Second and beheadings and stuff. But I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, Ben. That we're almost always a little bit skeptical of those kind of stories because yes. they almost get tagged on 
to the folklore of a haunted house at a later point. So yes, yes, yes. You know, I I didn't mention it in great detail. I'm, I'm just mentioning it now for the first time because it kind of felt like I'm not sure about it, but it is it is interesting. Yeah, um, no, that yeah. that yeah, I com- completely. But it's it's that thing of it's like I don't disbelieve any of the stories at all. In fact, I I'm more persuaded than ever. But it's why would a spirit choose to just show its disembodied head? It, mm. it it's a really peculiar. I it particularly. Like, Maybe if, you can't be asked to show the rest. I can't be bothered. I'm just going to do the head. <laughs> or maybe the intention is to terrify. Well, there's that, yeah. Never, never. I'm so happy I've never experienced that. <laughs> and hopefully never again. That was that was enough for me, yeah. Yeah. Well, just in, in way of summary, so we've had various accounts published in 1909 Mm-hmm. from multiple occupants of a house on Wandsworth Common, which has been suggested to be located in the same room you lived on. Lots of paranormal activity that you've described. And in some way, those accounts from 19, published in 1909, connecting to an old woman that was regularly seen in the house. Tick, you guys had that. Activity on the stairway you guys had that and I don't think I'm ever going to forget reading about that floating head and you talking about it yeah yeah very strange (laughs) Monet thank you so much for coming on today we really really appreciate it thanks thank you Ben as well oh no thank you it was amazing like what these stories are kind of um what we base this whole podcast on which is um the idea that people people have nothing to gain by lying and people who say there's nothing in it we don't disregard them but then we present the evidence back and say how do you explain these stories and they're so difficult to explain particularly when they're backed up with other evidence and when you tell them so coherently not only are they fascinating, but I think every time I hear one of these, they change the way I think about the human experience. So thank you so much. Thanks for, for having me. Quantum mechanics. <laughs>